Hi there, let's pray. Father, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the power of your word and the word of your power. We really open our hearts to you and we ask that you would really speak to us so deeply concerning these new creation realities. We open our hearts to you, Father, and we pray today that those who do not know you, those who are not yet saved, those who are not yet born again, would come to a place of discovering who Jesus Christ is. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's such a privilege being able to share this word with you. Uh, the word of God is so rich, so powerful. If you're not yet into studying the word, studying the Bible, I encourage you to begin to do so. There's so much life in it. And uh, we've been enjoying this series, Identity Rehab. And we started off by looking at an introduction, almost like the rationale of an identity rehab, that uh, how you see yourself affects how you behave, affects your morality, okay? Your theology will always affect your morality, and it's important how we see ourselves, our self-concept. Then we looked at this identity rehab, but specifically focusing on a gospel-centered identity. It's so crucial to be gospel-centered in our identity and how we see ourselves, okay? If we're not gospel-centered, we have the tendency uh, to become quite humanistic about it, you know? Uh, no Know who you are in Christ so you can get this for yourself and get that for yourself. And that's not the way we're going. Then I uh, shared with you on uh, four different occasions uh, with regards to pseudo identities. And my goal there was to show you that sometimes we've got an identity, but it's not our true identity in Christ. And we could have gone on and on with those pseudo identities. We spoke about uh, the victim mindset. We spoke about the judge critic. Um, I spoke to you also about the achiever syndrome. I spoke to you about the rejected loner. And now today, I'm going to embark on a journey where we talk about your kingdom identity. And specifically today, I want to focus on I am a new creation, okay? That's who we've become in Christ. We are a new creation. You are a new creation if you're in Christ Jesus. So open your hearts and let's see what the Lord will do. You see, uh, a lot of believers do not live their lives uh, from a vantage point of redemption, okay? A lot of believers today are living as though they're Old Testament people, right? They're living as though they are unsaved people who are trying to do good deeds. And I want you to know this morning that that does not work. It does not work, okay? Um, let me give you an example. It's a bit like, uh, imagine you're a vehicle. Imagine you're a Fiat. Now, most Fiats aren't that big, you know, in terms of uh, very uh, powerful, right? Imagine you're a Fiat, and then you take your Fiat to be serviced, and then I'm servicing it, and then I say to you, we've now given your Fiat a BMW engine, all right? But in your mind, you don't really believe that. It's kind of like too good to be true. So what will happen to you? Whenever you're driving that Fiat, you will be uh, sticking to the speed of a Fiat, all right? You'll be driving it like it's a Fiat, but the engine is now a BMW one. And that's what happens with a lot of Christians, you see. They get born again, but they don't live from a place of redemption. They don't live from a revelation of the fact that they've become a new creation. It's almost like a, uh, a gate. You know, if you've got an electric gate, uh, a motored gate, at home, right? There are times you have to put it on manual. Maybe the motor was stolen or the motor blew up, okay? And you have to put it on manual. It's a bit like that. A lot of Christians are actually automatic or automated gates, right? But they're functioning uh, like a manual one, right? Um, they're not functioning to the full potential that they could, uh, let me give you another example. It's a bit like uh, your vehicle isn't working because your battery is flat, right? And then I say to you, hey, I've got some jumper cables and we can jumpstart your vehicle using my vehicle. But you keep insisting and you say, no, don't give me, don't jumpstart me, right? I just, I'm just looking for stronger guys to push me and they'll push me home. Let me look for a stronger person. And you see, that's how a lot of believers are living today. They're striving in their own strength. And they're mustering up all sorts of strength that they think they have, but it's in the flesh. 
And God is saying, let me come to you and let me jumpstart you. Let me strengthen your inner person so that you live from that place. You live from your spirit. Okay. When we have this revelation, ladies and gentlemen, of the new creation and the power of the new creation, everything changes. We begin to tap into dimensions we'd never tapped into before. Okay. So let's remember that God relates to you. When you when you're born again, God relates to you based on the new creation. He doesn't relate to you as a sinner. He relates to you based on who you've become in Christ. Okay. That's how it works. Um, sadly, so many Christians are living at the same shame level as they lived when they were unsaved, the same level of shame. Okay. But when God relates to you, he sees Jesus. He relates to you on that basis. Everything changes in our lives when we begin to understand this. The Bible talks in the book of Hebrews about the cleansing of the conscience. Okay. And I'll share with you that message sometime in the future. But a lot of Christians are not living in the revelation of the fact that they've been cleansed from a guilty conscience. So they still relate to Father God as a sinner, right? No, you're, you've been redeemed. Okay. Do you make mistakes? Yes, you do. But that's not how God relates to you. He doesn't relate to you on the basis of your mistakes or on you having an identity as you're a sinner. No. When he looks at you, he sees the blood of Jesus. He sees that you've been redeemed. There's no point in him paying for you. All right. Redeem means to buy back. The whole idea of uh, redemption, it's like when you're paying a ransom, okay? Uh, someone has been stolen from you and now you have to pay a ransom. It's a bit like that. There's no point in him doing that and then re still relating to you like you're a sinner. No, he's bought you back so that you can have a relationship with him and he's regenerated your spirit, man. And just remember that when he does this, this wonderful new creation, you're now operating from a life that's independent of your circumstances. This is so, so important, okay? The life of God is now in you. The life of God is now in you as a believer and you're operating in a life that is independent in terms of its source. The source of this life is independent of your circumstances. This is so powerful. That's why the Bible says that my God shall supply all my needs, right? according to his riches in glory. Now, I know there's a context to that particular scripture, but the point I just want to highlight is that he supplies his riches, okay? He supplies these riches according to his riches in glory, all right? He supplies your needs according to his riches in glory, not based on the economy, not based on whether you're in lockdown or not. And the believers who are connected to God and have this revelation, begin to walk in this dimension of abundance. This is so crucial, all right? So when we talk about this life of God, the, the word that is used in scripture is zoe, zoe, all right? And that's a powerful word and literally means the absolute fullness of life, the absolute fullness of life. That's actually what Adam got when it says that God made man and then breathed into man and he became a living being, okay? So there was something of God, right? The Zoe, right? The absolute fullness of life that was put into Adam. And in the New Testament, when that word Zoe is actually used, it's referring to this God life, okay? God's life. Okay, I know some people say the God kind of life. It's not just the kind of life. It's actually God's life, all right? So Adam had this life. Adam had this life. And that's why he was just going to live and live and live and, no, and not die. There was no sin there. You see, after the fall of man, that's when sin began to work. And it had an impact on our physical bodies. But I believe that the reason why people lived uh, long in those days, hundreds and hundreds of years, is partly because that Zoe was still at work in them, okay? And gradually started to die out, right? But the point I'm making uh, to you this morning is that this life of God is a life that we can live by, all right? And it quickens our mortal bodies. So it has an impact. This life of God has an impact on your biology, this life of God has an impact on your biology. The Bible says that the, the life of God in us quickens. The spirit of God quickens our mortal bodies, you see. And when you live from a place of that life, it's amazing what ends up happening. Healing comes. So when we hear testimonies of how John G. Lake, uh, you know, would uh, literally be so anointed of God and have this revelation that when certain viruses 
would come upon him, they would shrivel up and die. And there was microscopic evidence of that actually happening, you know, as he would touch someone who's infected by it and shrivel up and, and die. He had that understanding that our, our spirit man can be so dominant over our physical bodies, right? That the life of God literally shrivels up um, anything that is not of God. I think that's so powerful. All right. So the first thing I want to highlight to you is that the new creation is the result of supernatural regeneration of the human spirit. The new creation is as a result of a supernatural regeneration of the human spirit. Right. So uh, when God made man, he made him a spirit being. Right. Uh, but also gave him a soul, which is your mind, your will, uh, your emotions, your intellect, your imagination. It's all of that. Right. And we have a physical body that we live in. Right. This tent that we live in, as it were. But now what's so powerful about this is that you see your your human spirit outside of God is dead. And that's what happened because Adam fell. Right. So all of mankind was in that fallen state. That's why we know that man is depraved up outside of God. We are depraved. All right. We've got a, a tendency towards sin, toward wickedness. Right. Um, so although man was made in God's image because of the fall, our spirit man, our human spirit is dead to the things of God. We still have a conscience, but our human spirit is dead to the things of God. And what happens is when you are born again, right, you are recreated in Christ Jesus. Right. And you go back to that place of um, of uh, born again or regenerated spirit. All right. So have a look at Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19. The Bible says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. Now, this is Ezekiel prophesying. And this is speaking of being born of the spirit. This is speaking of being born again, being born of the spirit. Right. Um, where God's solution was this. Remember, remember when God would look the time of Noah and is like, oh, I regret having made these people and so on. Right. But now we see him saying, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. He's basically saying, you know what? This fiat here now needs a BMW engine. Okay. So it can do BMW things. Right. Just for the record, I'm not a BMW person at the moment. All right. So in case anyone is wondering, why am I mentioning BMWs? OK, um, it's just a good example of a fast car. All right. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. If you want to change your behavior, something has to change in your inward parts. Right. That's the new creation. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. You see, there are many people today who've got a heart of stone, but they're trying to do good things. OK, there are many people living from that space. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And the whole point of salvation, the whole point of God coming, the uniqueness of the Christian faith is that God is coming and basically saying, let me do it for you. Let me give you a new heart. Let me regenerate your inner person. OK, all other religions focus on how can I pull myself up uh, from my by my bootstraps and try and reach God? You cannot do it in your own strength, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, this is the joy of our salvation. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So if we want to keep his laws and follow his decrees, we need a new heart. We need to walk in this new creation dimension. They will be my people and I will be their God. So we see here that the human spirit outside of regeneration is a divided heart. He says, I will give them a new spirit. I'll give them a new heart and it will be an undivided heart. You see, as long as you're not born again, your heart is divided. Why is it divided? Because you've still got a conscience and there's that side of you that wants to go do good. But you can't do good because your spirit is dead. Your spirit is dead. That's why I'm telling you the key thing here is to be born again. Okay. It's to be born again. Now, it's interesting because the word spirit here is the word ruach, which is the word breath. It's the word uh, that, that speaks of wind, uh, spirit. It's your mind, your thoughts. It also speaks of courage. Courage comes from the heart. Amen. That's why we talk about having a courageous heart. Right. Uh, that's why we talk about their hearts failed them. Right. Uh, it also speaks of strength. 
So that's a very powerful word. And that's why very often when the Bible speaks of the spirit man, it's also talking in the context of strengthening your spirit man. Okay. Energizing your spirit man. And that's your source of strength as a believer. If your spirit is weak, then you are weak. Okay. That's why it says their hearts failed them. Right. When your heart fails you, then you are weak all over. So I think it's so powerful where God is taking us because one of the keys uh, to overcoming sin, and I'm going to preach on this sometime in the next few weeks, but one of the keys uh, to uh, overcoming bondage, overcoming sin is living from this place of the new creation. It's so, it's so crucial and it's so key in our walk with, with the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Now, the key word that is used here is new. And that's the word in the Greek, kainos. And, uh, you know, in the Greek language, there are two major words for new. There's a word which speaks of just a new type of the same thing. But then there's kainos, which basically speaks of something that is novel, something that has never existed before, almost like a new breed, all right? So for example, there was the Mazda 323, continuing with my vehicle an analogy, and then afterwards came the Mazda 626, okay? But it was just a, a, a new kind of the same thing, if that makes sense, right? So we're not talking about that type of new. We're talking about kainos, which is a whole new thing that has never been seen before. So for example, if someone comes out with a car, and they say, uh, this is a new type of car. It's an electric car, for example. Or this is a new type of car. It is, um, it is a car that doesn't run on wheels, okay? It actually just floats above the tar, right? And we don't need tar anymore because it just floats, right? Um, that's the type of new that is being spoken of. So when you have this revelation, things begin to change. You don't focus on what you look like on the outside, but you focus on the joy of your salvation, that God has given you a new heart, that God has transformed you from the inside out, that we are a new breed, as it were. All right. It's extremely powerful here. So there are great possibilities. Let me share with you in Ephesians 3, 16. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Okay, so we can be strengthened in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How does that happen? It happens in the new creation, right? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. This is so crucial. And here's the principle. The breakthroughs you have are as a result of God's power at work in your inner being. When you know your new identity in Christ, that you've become a new creation, these things become possible. You see, sometimes people are living today, believers are living like they're an Old Testament saint who's basically trusting God who's outside of him to do great things, to do amazing things, all right? Lord, come and do this. Lord, come and do that. But in the new creation, it's more about God's power at work within us, all right, by his spirit, right, in order for that breakthrough to take place. If you look at Jesus's lingo throughout, Jesus doesn't say, oh, uh, and believers will pray for the sick. He says, go and heal the sick. Why does he say that? The language he's using is, I have placed my spirit in you right? My spirit will be in you. And because you're a believer, you will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, right? Just in the same way that the spirit was in Jesus. That's why Jesus, uh, when he was dealing with the, the woman with the issue of blood, he says, there's power that has left me. Virtue has left me. Who touched me? Okay. What did the healing? What is the substance that did the healing? It was the power of God that flowed through him. We need to understand this. We're a new creation. We're a new creation.
All right. When you become a new creation, you are fused with God's spirit. You are fused with Christ's spirit. Um, that's phenomenal. Uh, and I'll go into that just now. Okay. So when you know your identity and allow God to work in this manner, your spirit man is strengthened. Okay. A lot of Christians are weak spirited. We need to understand the things that will strengthen our spirit. Okay. Titus 3 verse 5 says, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done. We need to understand this as believers. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. Okay. It's not because of our righteousness, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Through the washing of rebirth, through the regeneration of our spirit. When we grasp this and we live from this place, everything changes. Secondly, the new creation is a progressive reality. What do I mean by that? Let's have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. How are we being transformed? By the spirit of God who's working in our spirit, okay? Because we are one with his spirit, right? And we're being transformed from glory to glory. So there are levels of glory. There are dimensions of glory. So although you've become a new creation, right? As a believer with a regenerated spirit, your spirit can be enlarged. Your spirit can be nourished. Your spirit can become more sensitive to the things of the spirit. Your spirit can grow. That's why there's some people whose spirit man is more dominant over their soul and, uh, and their body than some other Christians. Okay. There are things we can do to enlarge our spirit man, to enlarge the capacity of our spirit man to receive. And that's the journey of sanctification where we're dying to things of the world and we're opening ourselves to the spirit dimension. There are things that we can do. And uh, that word transformed that is used there, transformed into his image. It's the word metamorpho. Okay, that's where we get metamorphosis from, right? And it's, it literally means to change after being with, to change after being with. It's like the transfiguration, right? When Peter, and J Peter James and John, right, they, they were transformed as they saw Jesus there. They saw Jesus transfigured, right? And these guys were like, oh, wow, what's happening, right? Um, I think this is so, so powerful. It's to change in keeping with inner reality, right? It's to change in keeping with inner reality. So when we say we are being changed from glory to glory, as we contemplate, as we reflect on his glory, you behold, when you behold something, you become like it, right? You become like that, which you behold. And so when we're saying we're being changed, as we behold him, as we worship him, as we look to him, right? We're basically saying that our outer life begins to conform to what's happening in our spirit, man, as we change, right? But guess what? We can determine the degree of change. That's the exciting thing. There are things you can do to enlarge your spirit, man, right? For example, when you pray in the spirit, the Bible in the book of Jude actually says, build yourself up in the most holy faith by praying in the spirit, okay? When you read the word, when you feed on the word of God, there are many Christians today that are malnourished. Their spirit man is malnourished. Why? Because they're not feeding their spirit man. Have you noticed that very often we are so sensitive when it comes to little kids being fed or not being fed? All right. I know of a particular person, uh, they, they had a relative who was looking after one of their kids and then they took the child to the doctor. The child wasn't well. And um, the doctor said that, you know what, your child is malnourished. They, they're not being fed properly. And then they discovered that this relative was just giving them bread and nothing else. OK, and they changed. And then the wife um, was now a stay at home mom to focus on the on the particular child. The point I'm making is we're very conscious about feeding our children, aren't we? My wife is very particular about it. You know, she'll come up with all sorts of fancy tricks to just make sure they're eating their greens. Okay. She will 
home. I probably shouldn't be saying this because my kids are listening to this, but you know, she'll mix in the greens and zhuzh them up uh, in, a, in some kind of mixer into some kind of soup or mix it up into some kind of burger just so that they get the right nutrition. Uh, recently, we got some puppies and we've been uh, concerned, you know, how come they're not eating? How come they're not eating? And my wife went and she bought different dog food for them and so on. And now they're eating and there's a lot of anxiety around, are they eating enough? We get anxious about that. But let me ask you a question. How much focus do you place on feeding your spirit man? You see, when we're spirit conscious, we will tend to feed our spirit man. We will do the things that enlarge our spirit man, right? Um, feed on the word of God, meditative prayer. When you focus on the word and you pray, right? When you pray in the spirit, when you practice his presence, there's specific things that enlarge your capacity to receive and to be sensitive to the spirit dimension. That's so, so important. Your spirit can be enlarged and strengthened. That's an important principle to understand. Your spirit can grow in spiritual sensitivity. Your spirit can grow in dominance over your soul and over your body, all right? For many people, they've got it the other way around. Their soul is what dominates, okay? Their emotions dominate what's going on in their spirit, right? Um, I've been training quite a lot, running and so on. I'm getting stronger, going up hills and things like that because I know it's good for me, right? I know it's good for me. But guess what? First thing I do when I get up in the morning, I'm doing things that first uh, train my spirit man, right? Train my spirit man, enlarge my spirit man. This is so, so important. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible says, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. So we're getting older, etc. right? Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an internal glory that far outweighs them all. Okay, inwardly, are you being renewed day by day? What are we talking about? Are you being enlarged? Are you becoming more sensitive to the things of the spirit? Are you a spirit conscious person, right? Or are you more of a flesh conscious person? The way the world is wired around us in terms of advertising, in terms of what we see in the media, it's, it's geared towards the flesh, isn't it? Okay, it's geared toward material things, things you can see, feel and touch uh, and smell and taste with your physical senses. A lot of Christians are sensual, sensual. You know, they love food so much. You know, everything is about what am I going to eat next? What am I going to eat next? Right. But they're not spirit conscious. You don't see that same excitement when it comes to, oh, I'm going to dig into this book and really read it. Oh, I'm going to listen to this sermon. I'm going to listen to it over and over again so I can get it into my spirit. I want to encourage you with messages, even messages like this, where I'm unpacking lots of scripture. Be hungry. Go and pray through the message afterwards. We've got powerful strategic uh, prayer points that we have up on the website. Pray through them afterwards. Okay. Talk about it with other people. Get the stuff into your spirit. Very often when you just listen to something once, don't complain afterwards like, oh, I forgot some of it and so on. Of course you will forget. Okay. That's why we talk about uttering and muttering the word of God, uttering and muttering the word of God until it's in you and you become the word of God. Okay. That's what the Bible means when it says, let the word of God dwell richly in your hearts as you sing to one another in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Okay. We sing the word, we pray the word, we preach the word to one another. All right. Preaching is a one another also. It's not just preaching to the masses. We teach one another. Right. Until we become the word. We are living epistles. This is so, so important to know what to do with the word of God until you become it. OK, that's how you enlarge yourself. Now, I find it so interesting how uh, it uses the word here, renewed, renewed. Okay, we're being renewed day by day. And that's actually the word anakinos. Remember I shared with you that word kinos, which means to, to uh, the new creation, something that's new, that's novel, that's never been around before. Okay, anakinos is actually the word for renewed. So to be made new again. You know what encourages me about anakinos? What encourages me about it is it means that each day is not just a slight adjustment of my spirit man. Okay, it means that God can literally be coming up with novel things that have never been experienced before on a daily basis because my, my, I'm being renewed day by day. All right, it doesn't have to be limited to slight adjustments. So there are new dimensions in the spirit that I can access each day. 
as I pray in the spirit, as I pray in new tongues, okay, I'm experiencing new possibilities, powerful dimension, powerful dimension. Let me just say this. Although Paul the Apostle talks about how on the outward side we are wasting away and he's generally just talking about our physical bodies and what happens until we die and so on. Um, we, let scripture interpret scripture, right? And other scriptures where he's talking, he also talks about the divine energy at work in him, empowering him to do amazing things. So don't be limited by your physical body. Your physical body can be quickened by the action that is taking place in your spirit, man. What happens in your spirit affects your biology. What happens in your spirit affects your nervous system, all right? Uh, I think that's so powerful when we have that particular revelation. Thirdly, the new creation has implications for alliances that I can have. What alliances can I not have? What alliances can I have? In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 14, the Bible says here, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Why? For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? So you are righteousness. Okay, the Bible says he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, uh, I think that's a powerful revelation there. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial, basically the devil? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever. Now, does it mean that we must not interact with unsaved people? Of course we must. We want to win them for the gospel. But I'm talking about when it comes to who you choose to get married to. I'm talking about when it comes to close alliances. Okay, this is very powerful, right? Uh, look what it says here. It says, um, does a what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you and I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is such a powerful statement here. When you have a revelation that you've become a new creation, okay, it informs you concerning certain decisions you make concerning close alliances. So the people who get unequally yoked with an unbeliever don't have that revelation that, hey, my body is actually a temple of the Holy Spirit, okay? It's God's temple, right? Because the Spirit of God dwells in me. That's a massive, massive Kainos moment. And I say kainos because it's a new, the new creation, right? When you see yourself as that in terms of your identity, it informs you concerning who you associate with. You, when you, whenever you go places, you are the influencer. When you are around unsaved people, you are the influencer because you've got the life of God in you. When you are fearful and intimidated by unsaved people, then it begs the question, do you not understand that there's the life of God that is in you and you're dealing with someone whose spirit is dead? The life of God, the Zoe is in you, right? Very powerful revelation. Number four, the new creation has specific works for which it has been rewired. You see, when God regenerates your spirit, you're recreated in Christ Jesus to do certain works. You see, and he's empowered you to do them. It's all in the new creation, right? He's given you the gifts that you need in order to do them, right? God is not confused. God will not call you to something and not supply what you need. He wants and not supply the resources you need in order to do that particular thing. That's why it's crucial that we're doing what God has called us to do, right? It says in Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. That word handiwork is the word poema, poema right? It literally means a work of art. You know, when someone crafts something, maybe uh, makes, uh, you know, does a wonderful painting and takes their time about it, right? We were fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's handiwork. You are his poem, 
right? I think that's so powerful. Then it goes on to say, created in Christ Jesus. You could actually call that recreated in Christ Jesus, okay? Because he's giving you that new man. He's giving you that new creation. You've become a new creation. And by the way, that word which is used for create here, it's it's only reserved to God doing the creation, right? It's a word that's actually not used if I'm saying, oh, I'm going to create a table or I'm going to make um, a, a TV stand, right? I can't do that, but you know, I'm just giving an example, right? Uh, this is a word reserved only for God, right? Created in Christ, so powerful, right? To do good works, there are works associated with the new creation, right? What are the good works that God has already prepared in advance for you to do? For we are God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork. So don't insult God's handiwork. When people diss other people in terms of how they look or anything about them and so on, I'm saying you're dissing God, right? We are God's poem. We are God's work of art. How can you, how dare you insult another person, right? If, if I do a painting, and I'm, I'm not good at that, but if I do a painting and you insult the painting, you're not insulting the painting, you're insulting the painter, right? When you say, oh, that music is awful. Who's being insulted? The music? No. The guy who wrote it, right? So for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What good works are you doing right now? What are the good works that God has actually rewired into your inner person so that you can do, right? What is it that needs to come out of you that is still inside of you? Are there books that need to be written, songs that need to be written, uh, orphanages that need to be started, abandoned baby homes that need to be supported? What are those good works, right? Because they were rewired into the new creation. I think that's so powerful. And it says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God is not uh, needing you to twist his arms, right? To twist his arm to give you a breakthrough in order to do it, okay? He's already prepared those things in advance, all right? He's already prepared it in advance, right? The word, the word prepare is actually to do with, it, it's, it's a word associated with detail, isn't it? Right? Prepared in advance for us to do. So my job is to walk in this. The fifth thing I want to share with you about the new creation is that the new creation is one with God's nature. The new creation is one with God's nature. It's not like he gives you some other spirit, okay? Some different spirit that's random, that's from some other, some demon or some something else. No, it's actually himself, himself, right? And he joins you with his spirit. This is so powerful. Second um, Peter chapter one, verse four, the Bible here says, through these, he has given us, his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, that word participate, it's the word uh, koinonia, which is fellowship, okay, or to share. So he's basically saying through these great promises, as you believe these promises, these things I'm sharing with you today, as you believe them, a lot of things come from faith, right? A lot of things come from belief, right? As you believe in these particular great and precious promises, you actually become a sharer, a partaker, koinonia, you fellowship, right? With the divine nature. Now for me, that's when you grasp that, everything changes in your life. Okay, um, let's let's unpack this a bit. That word divine nature, it's an interesting word. It's a combo basically of theos, which speaks of God and physis, okay, which speaks of his nature. And that word physis is basically his inner nature, the underlying constitution of God, okay, the makeup of someone or something, right? So basically we become partakers of God's makeup. Whatever God is made up of, and we know that God is spirit, whatever he's made up of, I'm sharing in that. There's something of the life of God that is now functioning in me. Now, let me tell you something. The life of God is super powerful. The Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work in you. When you meditate on that, everything changes in your life. The Bible says that the love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts through his spirit. That's Romans 5 verse 5. 
powerful statement. It means that God's love is an operation in me. So I've got the capacity to love, right? Um, the Bible says you have the mind of Christ, right? Not just, oh yeah, um, I'm aware of Christ's mind. No, I actually have Christ's mind. I can actually think Christ's thoughts because of the new creation, right? When you tap into this reality, my friends, things begin to change in our lives, okay? So uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Now that's how it's translated in the NIV, but I believe a better translation is actually in the NLT, the New Living Translation. It says here, but the person who is joined to the Lord, okay, or united to the Lord, in other words, the born again person, is one spirit with him. And when you study it in the original text, I've looked it up, I've checked in the lexicon, the Greek lexicon, that's more accurate, is one spirit with him. You're one spirit with Christ, okay? So uh, if if you uh, look, think of a person, right? Let's say me, right? Can I just fly to Russia? Can I just fly to Moscow, like by myself as an individual? I can't really, right, as an individual. I don't have that ability. However, if I get into a jet, it's got the ability to go to Russia. And as long as I'm inside that jet, I can go where the jet goes, right? So... You can liken it to something like that. When you are born of the spirit, what's actually happening is you become one spirit with Christ. In other words, God's spirit is fused with your spirit. Okay, that's that's regeneration. God's spirit is fused with your spirit. So where his spirit goes and what his spirit can do, the power of his spirit Okay, the might of his spirit, the transforming ability of his spirit, okay, is now one with your spirit. When you focus on these truths of the new creation, right, you become more confident when it comes to healing the sick. You become more confident when it comes to accessing accessing the wisdom of God, okay? Things begin to change and you rejoice more and you thank God more because you're like, Wow, Lord, can I really live this life even as a human being on earth? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Okay. Um, let's, let's look into this a, a bit further. By the way, when it talks about the divine nature, when it talks, that word nature, the physis, okay, it's even talking about almost like a species, all right, a, a particular species, right? Um, so uh, the type of being that God is, okay, the substance of God, that, right? We now share in that, right? I think it's, it's, it's just phenomenal when you unpack it, okay? Uh, so this means we are united most closely. This is one as opposed to separate parts, okay? I'm not separated from God. I am joined to the Lord and I'm one spirit with him, united most closely, okay? So I now have access to things independent of my circumstances and the economy because they're from God's life, okay? So that means I now have joy inexplicable. The Bible speaks about inexplicable joy. Why? My joy is not based on my circumstances, okay? Sometimes with your different levels of happiness, some of you might have heard my message just on the technology of joy, okay, and unlocking joy, but they're varying degrees of happiness, okay? And some of the words used for happiness could just be delight, you know, like, oh, you gave me a chocolate and I felt delighted, okay? And very often those levels of happiness have something to do with happenings, right? They're linked to certain circumstances, but true spiritual joy, it's a spiritual quality, my friends. It's a spiritual quality that comes from the life of God. So I can now experience inexplicable joy. I can now experience peace that passes understanding. It surpasses understanding, okay? The Bible speaks of that. I can now experience love that surpasses knowledge. The Bible talks about a love that surpasses knowledge in the book of Ephesians, okay? I can walk in that dimension. Why? Because the life of God is independent of my circumstances. Amazing implications we have. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, I'm going to read through to 16, okay? 
this has implications for what you can actually know because you now have the mind of Christ. Look at this. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. That's why a lot of people don't understand these things, right? And cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the spirit. That's one of the things you get when you're born again. You can now discern things through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of of the Lord so as to instruct him but we have the mind of Christ right so no one knows God's mind except his spirit the spirit of God knows the mind of God but we have the spirit of God we've become one with his spirit therefore we have the mind of Christ and that's something so powerful to to claim you see all these realities we get through claiming the great and precious promises you see it's not something that just happens automatically oh i'm born again so automatically i'm now walking in the mind of christ no i'm being renewed to that as i align myself with the mind of christ as i believe god concerning these promises that he's making you see and that's the work it's the work of belief it's the work of believing that this gracious abundant salvation is actually true that's our work The sixth thing I want to highlight concerning the new creation is that it has very specific attributes. Okay, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, the Bible says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, right? So now that we've got this born again spirit, that the spirit of God has been fused with our spirit, right? Um, uh, Their characters, characteristics of this born again spirit. It's not timid. The Bible says, but gives us power love and self-discipline some translations say and a sound mind okay that's a characteristic of the born again spirit and if you don't have that it means that you're you're not yet renewed in your thinking renewed in your mind concerning the new creation okay in john 10 verse 10 says the thief comes only to kill only to steal and kill and destroy i have come that they may have life and have it to the full So the nature of this new creation is fullness of life. And that word full is the word abundant, abundant life. And it's the word in the Greek perisos, perisos. It means more, it means greater, it means excessive, it means exceedingly, it means vehemently, right? Uh, It means preeminence, it means advantage. So Jesus has come to give you a full life, an abundant life. This is so powerful when we understand this. Look at your life right now, all aspects of your life, and ask yourself, am I walking in abundance? Am I walking in abundance of love for people? Am I walking in abundance of being gracious toward people? Am I walking in abundance in terms of his provision, his divine supply, his healing? Okay, In in areas of your life where you're not walking in this abundance, exceedingly advantageous, preeminence, vehemently. If you're not walking in that, it means that you need to renew your mind concerning the new creation. And ladies and gentlemen, let's not tone down these things, right? Let's not say, oh no, let me just rationalize it away and think it's talking about something else. No, Jesus said, I have come to give you abundant life. He says the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. If there's killing happening, uh, that's from the enemy, right? If there's stealing happening, that's from the enemy. It's not from God. Don't receive it. It's not from God. If you're being robbed of things in your life, that is not God's will for you. Okay, if there's distraction around you, it's not from God. That's not the nature of God's life, right? It's not the nature of God's life. And this is where people will be shocked because when we go to heaven, we will walk in this type of abundance. And some people, it will be like a culture shock when they're in heaven. You know what I mean? Someone once said, if you're struggling to worship Jesus, if you get bored of worshiping Jesus, okay, just pondering on his glory and so on, then you'll struggle in heaven because that's one of the main things we're going to be doing. All right. But it's the same. Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he says, thy kingdom come, not that kingdom go, that kingdom come. 
on earth as it is in heaven. He says that's what we must pray. So the prayer of Jesus reveals his will, reveals his desire. So I must be looking and saying, well, what is heaven like? Okay, is there abundance there? I must be praying that into my life right now, right? I want to experience his kingdom. Jesus says that the the kingdom of heaven is at hand, okay? Here and now we can experience this dimension. Too many people today have this mindset of, yeah, you know, this is wonderful theory, Paul, you know, the new creation, but we'll just wait until we get to heaven. There will be a culture shock for you. You know, right now what we are doing is training for reigning, ladies and gentlemen, training for reigning. We are walking in a certain dimension now. And then when we transition and, 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 and we, in, we in heaven, we continue in that dimension as opposed to culture shock. Right. Um, so we are praying that God, may, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Not one day in the future. We want to walk in it now. And guess what? You'll have what you believe for. All right. If you, the kind of person who just like, ah, no, no, that's not for now. We'll wait until we go to heaven. That's what your life will look like. That's what your life will look like. Okay. But if you're the kind of person who says, this is what Jesus said. This is what I desire. This is what I want to walk in. You'll walk in it as your faith is. So it shall be. Amen. Colossians 3 verse 9 through to 13. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self. Okay. That's the heart of stone. Right. With its practices. So each type of heart has certain practices that flow out of it, right? There's that heart of stone that Ezekiel was talking about. It's got certain practices associated with it. Then there's the heart of flesh that God says, I'll give you this new heart. It's got certain practices. It says in verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. There we go again, renewal of the mind, right? Renewal of knowledge. Here there is no Gentile or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised in other words so 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 if you're a racist for example and you're saying i'm born again that's incompatible when you have a revelation of the new creation there's no gentile nor jew circumcised or uncircumcised right uh barbarian scythian slave or free you can't say i'm born again as a christian but you're into classism Oh, we are more superior than you that means you don't have a revelation of the new creation because it goes on to say, but Christ is all. <laughs> um, we, can, we can unpack that, but I don't want to scare you too much right now. But Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. This is the new creation. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness. I love that word kindness. You know, it's got the same root word as grace. You see, kindness is the act of communicating grace to someone. Isn't that powerful? You show them kindness, right? Humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. When you have a revelation that you've become a new creation, you know that it's because of God's forgiveness, right? You're walking in that consciousness of, The Lord has forgiven me. The Lord has been gracious toward me. Therefore, I can be gracious toward the people around me. The seventh dimension of the new creation that I want to share with you is that it's based on identification with Christ's death and resurrection. You see, we don't want to just share this message with other people without telling them that they need to identify with Christ. They need to identify with Christ. They need to be born again. Okay. Uh, Romans 6 verse 3 to 4. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So because Christ died, we died with him, right? We don't need to go to hell anymore because we were in Christ when he went to hell, right? On behalf of us. He was punished where we should have been punished, right? And the Bible says, if you study the book of Hebrews, there is no need for another sacrifice, to be made. Why? Because he was sacrificed once and for all. In other words, what Jesus did on the cross was for every sin that was committed and will be committed. How do we experience the joys of that? We must remain in him. We must not reject him, right? If we are outside Christ, we are exposed to the wrath of God, ladies and gentlemen, right? Just because of grace, it doesn't mean the wrath of God is not there. Wrath of God is still there, but he's made a way for us to avoid the wrath of God, right? 
Um, but if we, if we don't do that, if we don't enter into Christ, we are exposed to his wrath. It's just like in the time of Noah. To be saved from the flood, you had to be in the ark. You had to be in the ark, right? But there was still a flood. There was still a flood. So when you're reaching the lost, it's so important. The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Okay, so when we are praying for unsaved people, let's pray that they're convicted of their sin, that they're convicted of uh, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All right. Um, And they're convicted of the judgment that will come upon them. Right. The wrath of God if they remain outside of Christ. Okay, we were therefore buried with them through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life, okay? So say this out aloud. I was crucified with Christ. I died with Christ. I was buried with Christ. I was made alive with Christ. I was raised with Christ. I was seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's where you are positioned as the new creation. And then, eighth, the new creation is as a result of our redemption, okay? There's no other way of experiencing this new creation than redemption. In Colossians 1 verse 13 to 14, it says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sin. And what's powerful about this is when it talks about the dominion of sin, right? It's the word um, exousia, exousia, okay? The dominion of darkness, right? The authority that darkness had over us. You see, some people think that when Christ died for us, he just forgave us our sin, of our sin. It was way more than that. He actually set us free, right? He set us free from the bondage and control of the dominion of darkness so that we don't have to sin anymore. I'm going to preach on that at some particular point. But you are free from the need to sin. You're free from the propensity to sin. I don't know if you've got some addiction. You are free from that in Christ. The more you meditate on the new creation, understanding who you've become in Christ Jesus, right? The more likely you are to free yourself from certain practices. You see why? Your consciousness has actually changed. Okay. It's important for us to know the price that was paid for our new life in Christ. Okay. It's important to know that there was a price actually paid for this new life we have in Christ, right? Um, In 1 Peter 3, 18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit, okay? That's what he did. That's what he did. And that's what redemption is. He went through all of that so I can walk in freedom, so I can walk in liberty. I don't have to pay for my own sins. Okay. And there's no sin that is too big for God to forgive. All right. You might be there listening to this message and you're not yet saved and you're thinking, no, but Paul, you don't understand. My stuff is really serious stuff. Let me tell you something. Jesus died for that too. What is the point of Jesus dying if it doesn't cover all sin? What is the point of Jesus dying if, oh, some people are too terrible to actually be saved? You know, who's there to judge that? No, no, no. For you, uh uh-uh, you can't be saved. And then you, uh uh-uh, yeah, yes, you can be saved. Uh Uh-uh. All right? The precious blood of Jesus is so, so powerful that it literally wipes away every bit of sin that anyone could have committed. And I think that's so powerful. Okay. And then finally, the new creation comes as a result of us believing and receiving Christ Jesus. I want to give you this opportunity right now. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, if you haven't given your life to the Lord Jesus, you can actually do so right now. You can actually surrender to him. You see, in John 1 verse 12, the Bible says, Yet to all who did receive him, that's all you need to do, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, he only has the right to make us a new creation when we say, yes, we receive you. God is a gentleman that way. That's just how he operates. He doesn't want robots. He won't force himself on you, right? 
But to those who believed in his name, those who received him, receiving his salvation, receiving his lordship, he gave them the right to become children of God. Why does it say children of God? God's offspring, people who are like God, people who have the same substance that, that constitutes God, okay? The, God's life at work in them, right? We're not talking about just being God's children because he created us. We're talking about being God's children because of the new birth. I like this quotation. When God could declare man righteous and legally free from spiritual death, he had the right to impart life, his own nature, to the spirit of man. That's so true and that's so powerful. And I trust that you receive that today in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. I pray for those who want to receive you right now. If you want to receive Jesus into your life and make him Lord, pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I believe you died for me and rose again. I receive your gift of eternal life. Come into my life and lead me. I want to be a disciple and I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I encourage you, be discipled, be discipled. Uh, get hold of us via our website. You can contact us and we'd love to walk with you. Meet someone who's a believer who can take you on this journey. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.